Hi everyone, my name is Melissa Lee and I'm your health coach who targets women with PCOS and women in general who wants to achieve stubborn weight loss. I do my best work when I work with PCOS urban women in their 30s who are embarrassed about their weight but want to feel comfortable in their bodies and are able to lose stubborn weight naturally. In this podcast, we talk about various topics including why stubborn weight loss is so hard to achieve. If this is you, definitely put this in your podcast list because one episode will be released every single week. Okay. Hi, everyone. Today, I would like to introduce you to Donna Piper, a lady of movement, I like to call her. Daily movement is such a priority in the year 2020 for me, and I hope it is for you too. I'm happy to bring her on today as she has been teaching Pilates since 1998 and has since taught classes in dance movement therapy, yoga nidra, and stretching. Her local studio in Los Angeles choose to move LA, empower students to move, nourish, and connect with their souls and their community. So welcome, Donna. Welcome. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you because exercise is, I think, such a big topic amongst people. And when people think about exercise, they immediately think about, you know, weight loss and they don't automatically think about movement as being a part of their well-being. So I know you have a lot of things to say about (laughs) movement. So why don't we get started? Um, So who do you serve? What got you into dance? So um, I basically, historically, all my clients have come from all walks of life, but usually after they've gotten onto some sort of career path and then all the way up until my oldest client was in his, uh, he was 79 when I started seeing him. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mainly I've taught a lot of people that have had injuries or they're more in the mindset where they've worked out a lot in their life, but now they're, they see that working out and moving their body in certain ways is going to make them happier and give them more longevity. So that's kind of the clients that I'm drawn to. Um, I started dancing because I love it, but I, was, um, I really wanted to be a ballroom dancer. Oh. <laughs> when I was a kid, really yeah. mainly because of the dresses and stuff. But um, uh, and then in college, I was getting a very serious degree. I was like, okay, well, I either want to do something in medicine or something in psychology. Um, but there was nothing really I saw that could, like, it seemed too much research based and not enough at the time. So a lot of science, but not a lot of human interaction and more holistic, especially when I went right. to school um, in the late early nineties is when I went to college. So I've come across this day, uh, this, I was called dance movement therapy as a career. And I was like, Oh great. I like dancing. So I enrolled in the dance program and I got accepted and Mm -hmm. I changed my major. And so I became a dancer, um, in that form, which luckily I, it was hard, but I had an aptitude for, so I was able to move through it and do ballet and modern and jazz. And then I also got to compete in ballroom dancing on our college, in our like mini collegiate thing. That's Um, cool. I need to see videos now. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have them at the time, just old tapes. Yeah. (laughs) 
I find it really fascinating because usually degrees are not, you know, not related to like dance or art and stuff like that. So I imagine your degree must be really fun. Like, are you dancing all the time? I used to. Um, I used to dance a lot, socially and every, everything. Um, as I've gotten older and different jobs, so that was my undergrad degree was um, technically it's called dance education. So I learned how to teach like a dance class. Yeah. And then I knew I wanted to do therapy and use dance in that way too. So people could express and heal. And I just had, I've always had like a affinity for movement and we hiked as kids and we've like boated. So there's always been a lot of nature and movement was always encouraged and music. My dad was a musician. So there's lots of bands. I mean, so it was very creative in that way. And I really felt like the body is like the median that we live in. So between whatever we think and all of our emotions and everything, our blood moves, everything moves. But if we're disconnected with our body, typically that's when things go awry, when we're not aware of what's going on with us. So I really, um, during my undergrad degree, I asked my uh, dean if instead of doing another concert and put on doing choreography, if I could work with, um, in Las Vegas, it was called children's behavioral therapy. And that's where children would go that were probably usually in the foster care system, but they had some sort of behavior or cognitive issues. So I did jazz classes with them and I had them journal about it. So that was kind of my first foray into teaching and wanting to be with people and teach them movement, but just not because they could do a perfect plie, but the emotional and psychological and physical benefits that come from being in a group, but also moving. So yeah. that's my... That's awesome. I really like <laughs> the, cool. I really like the aspect of... Um, you know, your idea of moving because there are stuck energies and emotions. I think I want to dive into that a little bit more later. Um, I also want to bring it back to your first point about how you're attracting people that want to move, not because they want to look a certain way or not because they want to lose weight and burn calories, but actually they want to feel good about moving in their joints and, you know, just making sure they're not like disabled and making sure they have good posture and alignment and I just want to really bring that into focus because I think a lot of people feel like, oh, I need to exercise, but I only need to do a certain kind of exercise. And yeah, I feel like you are really um, empowering people to think about movement in a different way. Oh, thank you. And yes, so coming from a dance background too, there was a lot with body image, totally. Right. Like. Mm -hmm. Dancers didn't have heavier thighs. They didn't, you know, you were tip top shape and it was yeah. an aesthetic as well as mm -hmm. how talented you are. So for me personally, that was, I connected with that self-deprecation that just was kind of a part of my psychology. The, I can always do better. I can always look better. I can always right. do that. Um, but I also knew somewhere inside of me that that wasn't realistic. And that took the fun away of the movement, even if it was going to the gym or doing something. There's certain things that your body likes to do. It likes to move. Mm -hmm. But with the pressure of doing it for a specific outcome, um, I've over the years kind of peeled that back for myself. I also trained to run a marathon and I did that. 
So I've put my body through like some crazy things <laughs> and luckily it didn't fail me. But um, I really do find that if, if you're not really enjoying the body that you have now, it's harder to change it. Mm. So having negative self-talk and having like rules and restrictions actually doesn't make your body any better and it doesn't make you have a happier life. It actually kind of negates all the work you put into having like a good body or low body fat or whatever your thing is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the modalities I choose to work in really are more about the core working. So dance, uh, Pilates, even yoga. It's more about strengthening the areas around your core muscles. And then it emanates. So other than an external locus of loci focus, it's, it's right. more internal. So it starts really from underneath your belly button, your center, and it works outward. Mm -hmm. And Joseph Pilates in particular was very brilliant at the time. And he, his whole thing was creating a healthy spine. So there's many aspects of that, but if you have space between each vertebra and your central nervous system is allowed to freely flow without impingements, then your whole body can get like, so if you hurt your wrist or your ankle, if you have a nice healthy spine, then the healing could go there naturally without having to do just focusing on the ankle. So that's really how he rehabbed um, and people in World War One and his clients. He just focused on their ab work and strengthening the glutes, the abs, inner and outer thighs and lats, and then worked out from there. Nice. So yeah. the same thing in dance. So everything's kind of whole body and it starts from the center. So right. that's it almost the, seems like functional medicine, like um, whatever symptom or ache that you have, someone has a headache, but it's actually not, you don't target the brain right don't target the head but it could be something else it could be something you ate that's causing the symptom and i like that you put it that way like a healthy spine is actually you know you can kind of heal the more distal aspects of your body um mm -hmm. and then also something about uh, what you said resonated with me about the whole like yoga and how it's not external because i know like yoga there's a lot of like marketing now about the poses and to be honest I myself got caught in it it's like oh I want to do this pose and I you know I'm working on it for like two weeks and stuff um but then I I recently discovered that yoga is a lot more it's about the philosophy and the energy flow and I think this is part of the whole well-being aspect also mm -hmm. isn't it totally and um also I'm I meditate and just dancing. I think when you do something movement wise, you do connect with whatever your spiritual God is. You kind of connect mm -hmm. with nature and the universe that mm -hmm. way because you're just so present in your body doing the movement. You can't really put your head in there. So um, I also developed my own spiritual practice, which is of meditation. And so yoga, dance, everything, if your breath has to support you in a certain way. So just focusing on the breath and having the breath be in union with your movement actually mm -hmm. makes your life more in flow since you're not fighting against each other. Mm -hmm. So it's something you do unconsciously a lot of the times, but it really is that point where you can do this beautiful pose, but if you're also connected to your breath and the movement, mm -hmm. then it you know, the pose kind of gets like 3D. It totally gets alive, right. you know. So you I get see. you get all the dimensions of that pose, other than just the it looks gorgeous from a, 
an outsider. Right. You get the heart opening. You get, you feel like, you know, all the stretching of the tissues and all that, right? Mm-hmm. But especially, you know, we live in Los Angeles now and it's always kind of been, I think everywhere and for women, aesthetics are a huge, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, even though we're trying to go away from it, really how we look and how we value ourselves is a lot of based on other people's opinions or what we should or social media. There's so many more things that are inundated. So in my classes, I do try to convey that, that you just show up. That's wonderful. And the body that you have right now is perfect for you. And whatever, if you have extra weight, if you have aches, whatever your life experiences to get you to this point, to have gratitude for that because the body reacted to something in your life that needed Mm -hmm. it to respond that way. And then when you're ready to make changes, changes are not easy to make. I mean, I'm sure you know with food, you know, the basic Mm -hmm. ones are really more difficult because they're primal. Um, But to really give yourself permission to enjoy who you are right now and then allow things to evolve and change without... Um, a very, I, I believe in discipline and integrity, but I don't believe in restriction. Mm-hmm. And I know that might sound so consistency, even if you do like, you only have a little bit of energy, but you show up for class. Even if you yeah. lie there all the time, at least you showed up. Mm-hmm. Then next time, maybe you feel more to move or you can move longer. So it's more about consistency and, and honoring yourself and having discipline to yourself, not so much to get a goal in mind. So that's the kind of thing I try to convey as I teach class. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, but we teach classes and I try to be really um, easy, but I'm not, you know, (laughs) I think it's just in my day. I'm excited to go for your class. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, for all the listeners, I signed up for one of uh, Pilates classes. So I'm really excited for that. (laughs) <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of teaching and classes, um, how did, how did choose to move LA come about? Like it's your little, you know, cute studio. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Um, so I've been teaching Pilates specifically since 1998 and most of all my clients have been, um, with the equipment there's it's Pilates is based on the system and there's a reformer and a Cadillac and a barrel, or a few barrels and a chair um, and the mat. But usually those sort of classes, I, the price point is higher, honestly, because it's one-on-one even if you have um, a large group and then you have like four or five reformers. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I wanted to create something where it all, you didn't need really a mat, like a mat's nice because it's comforting, but you could do it in your bed, in your home. You could do it on vacation. You can do it anywhere you wanted. You could go to the park. You don't have to be beholden to equipment to get the effect. And Pilates, Matt is the heart of the Pilates um, whole system. He created all the equipment basically to support the mat. And I wanted the price point to be much more um, affordable for people. So because I have small group classes, it is a little bit higher, but you get like one-on-one attention, even if there's a group of eight people in there. Mm -hmm. So really I wanted to be able to open it up to a lot of different people so they could do it everywhere. Because I really think that having a healthy core and doing these exercises 
enriches your life in so many other ways. So I was sick during May and June of 2019. I had pneumonia that I was on antibiotics for a month and then mm-hmm. it didn't go away. And they said it was viral pneumonia. So really only in the last couple months have started feeling normal again. And one of the things that I think that really helped me during that is that I had such a good, strong background of working out before with yoga and Pilates and dance that um, as sick as I was, I wasn't hospitalized, which maybe I should have been in retrospect. But every day when I was able to do a little bit, I would either do legs up the wall, I would do the hundred, I would do a roll up. I would do something movement oriented to kind of help my body like remind itself that it could heal itself too. So then... I don't know if it was all the medications or not, Melissa, but then I was like, you know what? I really want to open up a studio again that gives people an opportunity that if they don't, they're not in perfect health or they're recovering from something, that they have a place to go where they mm-hmm. feel welcome and supported and they don't feel like hey, they already have to be at a certain level before they go to a gym. Sometimes I think boutique gyms and everything could be a little bit intimidating for people to yeah. come in because they think they need to know something or right everyone else there is going to be these perfect specimens. Of, yes. Yeah. And they know exactly mm-hmm. and they'll know nothing. And, um, I wanted to create a place where that's not true at all. Right. Yeah. I like, I like the vibe that your studio gives me. I haven't even been there, but I already, you know, I feel like, okay, there's some sort of community and like welcome and invite. Um, yeah, I just can't wait for people to go visit. Me, studio. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So w- when we talk about movement, I guess we have to talk about also the mindful aspect of it, right? Like we have to be mm-hmm. conscious. Uh, I know that movement sometimes can be like free flowing, but what do you think about uh, incorporating mindful movement into our lives? Like, how can we do that, and what's the easiest way to do it? The easiest way I think is for me has been just being aware of your breath and watch that become like a watcher mm-hmm. in your life. Um, you know, it's not very Western to just kind of watch what you and observe what you do. Um, but also just knowing what you do first. So being aware, like say if you sit a certain way, maybe you're always going to sit that, that certain way but to be aware of how you do it. And then in your workout practices or whatever, create a movement that's the opposite. So say that you're really stiff and you always like pin and you just kind of pull everything in. So try to do things that relax your shoulders and open you up and expand you. So maybe you're always going to be a very kind of more stiff pin like person And that we're not looking to change that. We're just looking to give you a full range of motion so that you have options so that your body just doesn't get stuck in one way that it goes to the opposite of the, the movement. And then you can incorporate it and you have choices. So that's kind of how I look, how having all the movement I do into people's life, is it being aware of what you do? And then you have a choice to either continue with it or change it. So Mm -hmm. it's not, and no, no way is the wrong way and it empowers you more other than thinking that you have to do this or do that a certain mm-hmm. way to be a certain person or at a certain level. Right. So that's what I think of how they kind of become functional. And the movements I teach are 
all body mind connected so you there's focus on what's going on internally mm -hmm. and then that kind of just naturally flows into other areas of your life yeah i can see that for example i have my husband says I look like a bird when I stand because my chin is like far forward and then I have a tight lower back. So then, you know, it, it kind of messes up my spine. But now when I sit, I'm always trying to like pull, pull my chin in and it, it might look weird, but I, once I start being aware of it once, I start doing it more often, even at work or like, some, you know, anywhere. So I think, yeah, being mindful is really like it really helps like your everyday living rather than just like nailing a pose or something. Definitely. And I think also, you know, our body has so many thoughts and emotions that it houses mm -hmm. that it does so many miraculous things that we're not even aware of, like how we breathe and how it pumps blood and processes food. So just to kind of be aware of like, wow, and awe, how grateful first for your body. And then mm -hmm. just be like, okay, this is what I've needed to develop for whatever reason. And then, okay, it's cool to become aware of things other than thinking that you have to change them. And in meditation, um, they're, they're always saying, oh, be mindful of your thought, but not judge it, right? And mm -hmm. sometimes it's really hard because sometimes I'm like, why am I thinking all this right now? And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not supposed to judge, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> I think that's a small part of meditation that's actually really challenging for people because they get into like this whole cycle. Oh, that's, I think for me personally, that's the hardest thing ever mm -hmm. was to just not think a thought and then mm -hmm. go with it the whole way down right. like the to the bigger story and the bigger story, mm -hmm. but to just keep on remembering like, okay, just, I did that. Cool. That's in the past. Now just, can I come back to my breath? Right. Cause for me, I don't know. Having no thoughts is in like very high enlightenment state, but just to watch them and not get entangled and trying to do watch everything I do and not get entangled by it. Mm -hmm especially, you know, usually sadness and anger are some of the couple, two of the harder um, emotions that you don't want to react to, like, right away, mm -hmm. it kind of feels like it just takes you over. Yeah, especially if you're hurt. But to kind of give yourself a moment in that and observe what's going on before you react. So you have more ability to respond. So it's almost like being out of your body and trying to pause before you have an automatic response mm -hmm. i'm trying to work on that this year i'm always like if someone asks me something i tend to be like yes or no and then regardless whether it's wrong or right and then i'll be like oh actually so i think having that pause is also very mindful and uh, yeah you're right it is mm -hmm. it is because you know it and it is one of the harder things that's why i think like i like consistency and discipline Mm -hmm. other than I have to, like, I can't have thoughts or this, just sitting down to meditate or showing up for a class is mm -hmm. first to being consistent. And then giving myself like, okay, I'm going to sit here. And if I have a crazy day where all I do is think, and it's driving me nuts, I'm still going to sit here. And I'm still going to try to think, okay, that was a thought, come back to my breath. Okay, that was another thought. Even if that happens a 1000 times within the hour, yeah. that's better than me just leaving or not mm. trying to create the discipline inside of me so I can witness other than just be in the, my thoughts. 
Does that make sense? I hope so. Yeah, it does. It's almost like the effort counts, basically. And just trying and then over time, it's like a muscle that you constantly need to, you know, work on. Exactly. Especially with thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. So when you're saying about, you know, meditation and all this kind of thing, I know you teach yoga nidra. So what is the difference between yoga nidra, restorative and yin? So yin is a, so in yin yoga, you take a pose normally they're all in like where you find in a flow class or whatever. So it's, it's usually poses that you already know. It's, it's nothing different. They just, you just take a longer time and you really get into it. So say you're doing a hip opener and maybe in a regular flow class, you just kind of do three to five breaths in that hip opener and then you move on. Where here you, in the end, you'll hold it for a minute to three minutes, sometimes longer so you're really in it so you get a nice deep stretch and you kind of see all the emotions and everything that comes up with it in restorative yoga it's all five minutes or longer and it's just really to put your state your body in a state where it feels completely secure mm -hmm. so your central nervous system is completely relaxed so it's not working at all so then it kind of it gives you these uh, a moment to Kind of let the movement totally envelop you. So they're longer. So maybe in an hour and a half for restorative class, you do five poses, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With a lot of props and a lot. Yeah. So you just feel kind of like, and for me, restorative, I feel it's a little more like um, a me longer meditation within the positions because mm -hmm. you could really follow your breath. Yoga Nidra is very ancient it is founded on the principle that um, of physical freedom and meditation mm -hmm. is a freedom conscious a freedom from your like unconscious so you have this full conscious freedom spiritually physical freedom is is that you're in a very deep it's you're totally awake mm -hmm. but you're totally relaxed at the same time and you're totally aware so you go through each body part and you give yourself some time to be aware of each body part. And then once you're in a total state of relaxation, you don't move, then you create a sankalpa or an image of you want. So say you've been sick, say, so I did it when I had pneumonia and I would imagine literally the cells getting healthy again and me being well. And over time, on a cellular level, that energetic level, you can heal your body. So there's lots of people, the person that I learned that this particular, there's different types of yoga nidra, there's opposites. This one is just all about um, finding the physical, finding physical freedom. And what that means is that you can create whatever you want in your conscious and it can come through your body. So the person I found, I learned from he healed his body from Lyme disease he wasn't going to be he couldn't walk for like a year they thought he was going to die all this stuff and he did this yoga nidra every day and now he's been well for the last 30 years so you really have if you put your body in a state to rest and uh, reset with total awareness, you can actually change yourself on a cellular level. 
which is very amazing that we, our bodies can regenerate. I mean, that's what's the coolest thing about the human body. If you can abuse it for a really long time and then you give yourself a little bit of a break and the body a little bit of a pause and a detox, and then it starts regenerating itself. So yoga nidra is the active, like a, it's passive because you just lay there for the whole time, but it's active in the sense that you are aware of what's going on internally and you can clean stuff up on a cellular level. Right. Which is really cool. And I've actually done some yoga nidras before, uh, back when I was working in Singapore. And what do you think about people who fall asleep during yoga <laughs> nidra? I feel like that is a, I don't know, like you can't avoid it, you know? It's like, is, is that just because like the person's just really lacking sleep and, you know, it, yes, it can be. Same way when people fall asleep in meditation. Sometimes or the, yeah. Yeah. You just when the body like has a moment to really relax, people don't always really relax. Mm-hmm. You know, really. Like we sleep and yeah. that is a letting go, but in when you're feels fully supported and comfortable and you just allow yourself to totally fall asleep, that's good. So again, that's the discipline in the yoga nidra is that okay, remembering your having the intention before you go into it that you're not going to fall asleep and then over time you won't but it may take you however long yeah a few times yeah (laughs) because it is like you're you're in like this state it's kind of creates a nice like cool like womb bubbles Mm -hmm. to have you explore yourself and sometimes the body shuts down because it doesn't want to do that it's a reaction like okay this is good i've had Mm -hmm. enough Mm-hmm. Um, and other times it's just to remember, okay, I need to be awake, but yeah, it's very, uh, common. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I was just going to ask and, you that. Is that common? <laughs> it's very okay. common. And the modality that I do, um, in person is that part of it, you go around and touch the ankles of someone and say oh. awake and aware throughout okay. the whole time. So mm-hmm. in between the body scan, you say awake and aware mm-hmm. and, or you touch people so they could come back to their presence. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Sometimes I, when I did that, sometimes I feel like I'm drifting, but then some voice in my mind is like, I don't know if I'm meditating or am I like dreaming now? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah and some sort of layer. And that's <laughs> like kind of the state where you can create all these things if you want mm-hmm. to. Right. That's the, that's the philosophy. That dream, am I awake? Am I making this mm-hmm. up? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the place. And how can this kind of dance or movement or, you know, being aware affect our hormones? Well, um, part of my dance therapy master's program is I worked with individuals with PTSD. Mm-hmm. So PTSD is, there's many theory but basically you're reacting to it's a very natural stimuli so let me back up so all animals and humans because we are Mm -hmm. animals have fight flight and freeze response to every situation so even when you walk in your home or if you walk into a place you don't know your body is naturally scanning the environment for threats Mm -hmm. animals do that everyone does that if you actually find a threat, like someone's going to attack you, say someone's coming at you, you have your 
hormones, you create adrenals. So you create all these hormones to defend you. So someone's coming, you have the energy to fight them off if you can, or you have that same energy that you created with your hormones are creating could give you extra energy to run away really fast. So um, I don't know if the stories are out there anymore, but there used to be lots of stories where like regular people like your size, there was an accident and a child was pinned over a bus pinned over a child and someone like your size lifted up the bus because there was so much energy because of the situation, because of the stimuli, like, oh God, I have to do something that it gave you more energy to defend yourself or to make whatever happened happen. So the freeze response is like playing possum. And that's when you feel all this stuff, you create all these hormones to mm. fight or flight and, but you can't do anything. So you freeze. Right. The discharge of that, it's called, is that your body shakes or trembles or you get nervous or there's involuntary. If you ever see like a cat or a dog just kind of shake or something off, they're shaking off typically extra hormones that they don't need anymore because however it was created, they don't need. The, for us, unless you all, we have, we do a lot of things that we can kind of traumatize ourselves, quote unquote, with our minds or with a situation. It could just be like, a teacher yelled at you and you felt like you needed to defend yourself, but you couldn't do anything. So you froze. And so that just gets replayed. So when your body starts to discharge those emotions, everything will come back to that situation. But if you're not in the position to discharge or you don't know what it is, then it'll come out as anger or fear, or you'll act out. You won't discharge those emotions. So that's a very long answer, but movement actually helps discharge those emotions mm -hmm. consciously and unconsciously. So you don't have to remember trauma to move through it. You can have like say low grade depression because of a traumatic event, maybe that was benign. No one hurt you, but like someone yelled mm -hmm. at you. Mm -hmm. And then over years and years, you get a little depressed by going to move for 20, 30 minutes. You start utilizing and utilizing those hormones that are built up in your body. So that's a really long answer, but how it helps is it helps regulate your hormones because you discharge what you don't need and you're not using. And then it also helps you make hormones that you need to help make to balance it out. Right. Yeah. I like the part about clearing out emotions and this is where, you know, uh, sometimes we hold emotions from even, our moms, uh, the generations above us, and it just gets carried down, right? Mm -hmm. And for some people, this might seem very phenomenal or very woo-woo, but I do feel like there's some part of the energetic body that's holding on to that. Definitely. There's also another thing that I do, which is kind of related, but it is called, it's epigenetics, which clears with applied kinesiology, clears emotions that are in your DNA, Mm -hmm. that can be cleared like your eyesight or you know color of your eyes and everything can't in your dna but there's some emotions that get trapped or passed down from generations that you can clear with um applied kinesiology techniques but the dance and the pilates and the yoga they actually can really help because a lot of times all that trauma 
not trauma, I'll change the word, trauma's overused. All of those (laughs) extra hormones that are stored in your body, it could come to an ache and a pain like in your shoulder or your knee, like a frozen shoulder. That could just be stored uh, hormones that you needed to kind of fend something off and you couldn't. And then over time, you um, then got a frozen shoulder. Sorry, my phone's ringing. Oh, no worries. I can that yeah sorry so that um so just by being able to move your shoulder and uh get more range of motion could clear out the, those stuck uh hormones or you know cortisol is a big, big one that people mm-hmm. talk about and cortisol i mean you're more more of the nutritionist so you could talk to more this part of it but what I've seen is when people are really stressed out, then they have, not only do they gain the weight in their stomach and then they can't think and focus, but when they do consistent practice that has have more of an internal um, thing, because sometimes it is really hard sometimes to do Pilates because you have to focus on your abs. Most people don't like working on their abs <laughs> or focusing on that area because there's so much feelings and emotions and hormones, like stuff there. Yeah. So, but once they kind of get past that initially and stick with it, it really, you could see their body and their mindset change that they, they've worked through stuff and also without having to diagnose it or talk about it. And you could see that how it relaxes them and how their range of motion increases and they get less aches and pains and they have a healthy, happier existence in the world and easier mm-hmm. to connect to people because they've cleared out all that stuff that has just stored up over the years. Right. And that's like the end result of, you know, them committing to a practice of moving and dancing. And so what are members actually looking for when they come to your classes? Um, typically the clients I attract, well, some just really just, well, I don't know. Let's see. What's the best way? Um, I don't really know if I know the specific answer to that question. I know the Mm -hmm. clients that come to me and stay, they like the fact that they have the space to do whatever they need to do. So in a class, even if like we're doing the hundred, but your neck hurts or your back hurts, or you can't bring your legs up. I have tons of modifications or if it's really something that's not going to be beneficial for your body, then you just skip it, but you stay in it. And then you try to do as much as you can. So I don't push people past their point And I really allow them to kind of be where they are. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, I do tend to really try to make their alignment and what they are doing at that time, even if it's just lifting their head and breathing and looking mm-hmm. into their stomach, that they're utilizing their muscles in a way that's, that's effective for them that they showed up for the 50 minutes. Right. you know, for the class. Yeah. So I, I really am a stickler on form mm-hmm. and much more so because then it's just going to benefit you. If you're going to do an exercise, why not get the most out of it? Mm-hmm. So even if it's just lining up how your legs are in a more um, beneficial position for you specifically, so you have a tighter back. So maybe something that um, someone else with a loose back would do you wouldn't do so not everyone does that they do similar movement but maybe you need to do something else you need to engage Mm -hmm. something else more than someone else 
So that's kind of why they come back to me is I mm -hmm. figure out what you need and mm -hmm. have you do that within the scope of the yoga, the stretching, the Pilates. Yeah. So. Very individualized. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's very aligned to the whole holistic functional medicine aspect of yeah. healing. Nice. And I think, you know, and I, hopefully they like me, but I think they like me. <laughs> oh, of course they do. <laughs> so, and I think that like, but overall, um, I think I've helped everyone mm -hmm. on some level. That's why they come back because they feel mm -hmm. like it's good for them and it's the right thing for them to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I can sense that. And I love what you're doing and bringing to all these women. So I do want uh, people to get to know you a little bit better. So we're going to go into the fun questions now. Okay. Um, so what is your favorite way of winding down at night to get better sleep? To get better sleep, I usually have, um, so after, I kind of have weird hours, you know, because I teach and stuff. So mm -hmm. I like to cook first, cook at night, and then uh, me and my husband usually have some peppermint tea. That's cute. And then, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we have some peppermint tea. And then um, a lot of times we just kind of chit chat. So that's kind of what we do. And I'm not really on my phone, um, mm -hmm. especially, I used to, especially be on my phone a lot. And I used to work on a job that I always needed to be attached to my phone, but mm -hmm. I've changed my lifestyle dramatically that I really want before I go to bed. And, um, when I wake up in the morning, if I'm not meditating right before I go to bed, I have like a nice little chat with my husband. I share some gratitude and some love. It's not that corny or just the day that yeah. I connect with a human before mm -hmm. I go to bed and not just with my phone. Nice. I like that. Very inspiring. <laughs> I think a lot of people need that. <laughs> For them, their phone is their best friend right now. <laughs> I know. I feel yeah. that too. <laughs> um, and so the last one is, do you have a favorite recipe to share, you know, now that you're cooking at night? Um, so one that I always like to do um, is, and I have for like ever, probably the last 20 years, so make a nice pesto with, um, I kind of, I get basil, but then mm -hmm. I don't use cheese. I, ha I haven't really eaten a lot of dairy in a long time, but for this pesto, it's just basil, some walnuts. Oh, I or, did that too. Like a <laughs> walnut pesto. I was yeah. so excited when you said no dairy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just lemon juice, mm -hmm. garlic, and then olive oil. And then whatever if i have parsley or cilantro or both i'll put something in there as the mm -hmm. herb and just blend it together with salt and pepper so it's very basic Delicious. yeah so, and you don't even miss the cheese or at least right my husband even when we first got married he liked it and he was a big cheese person and then i for the pasta i've always been sensitive to wheat mm -hmm. um so either quinoa or brown rice, but really my favorite is uh, zucchini noodles. So I'll mm. do that. Zoodles. Yes, zoodles. Yes. <laughs> so, and just okay. put that on there. And that, that's kind of my, you know, always a go-to. I mean, I don't uh, know, but that's... Yeah, that's that sounds delicious. I'm like, I'm on it. Um, <laughs> I actually, I, speaking of zucchini, I actually try zucchini hash browns. 
I think a couple of days Ooh. ago. Yeah, it's at this con, con, uh, cafe in Santa Monica. I'll tell you later what it is, but it's actually really good. It sounds good. I know yeah. I tried um, some sweet potato, like potato pancakes, but with sweet potatoes. That oh, are yeah. Yeah. Equally I love yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, so for everyone, you know, in LA, where can they find you? And also if they're worldwide, where can they follow you on social media? So uh, in West LA, I'm on Westwood Boulevard in between Olympic and Pico. Uh, the address is 2370 Westwood Boulevard. Um, it's called Choose to Move LA. Uh, our website is choosetomovela.com. And on Facebook and Instagram, it's the at symbol choose to move LA all smushed together, no spaces. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Twitter it's at LA underscore choose. And those are typically, um, I think my YouTube channel too is choose to move LA. So everything is choose to move LA. It's super okay, nice. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it's easy to remember, you know, it's easy for people to find you. Um, and also do you have anything else that you want to offer? Well, right now we're going to have like a, um, official grand opening on February 2nd, 2020. I'm going to save the date. Yes. So I'm going to offer okay. some classes during the day that, um, or just like fun little classes, half an hour to try and some drawings. But from now until that day and on that day, I'm offering a two week uh, all access pass for as many classes as you want to try for $29. And then our uh, series of five and 10 classes unlimited are a discounted rate. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, and then just on the day, it will just be like Pilates. I have this thing called the Centrics. I want people to try to see how they like that and stretch class and yoga. So just kind of fun to see what the feeling of the studio is and there'll be some prizes and some food. So that's cool. I'll definitely put all of that down. Um, give me all the details so I can put it on properly. Okay. And yeah, thank, that's it for today, I guess. Thank you so much for sharing with us about movement. Oh, thank you so, so much, Melissa, for having me. Yeah, it was really fun. I, I definitely think that we should do this again. Yay, I would love to. Thank you. I so appreciate it.